Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles today, I want to ask you to join me in the book of Malachi, chapter 1. I'm going to read just three verses for now. But if you'll just keep your Bible open to Malachi 1, we're going to be referring to several passages uh, down through this first chapter. And um, I just want the Lord to help me today to deliver what's on my heart. And um, I think that many times, especially those who speak can understand, sometimes something's in your heart and in your mind and you just want it to come out like it should. Amen. I want this to come out like it should today. The book of Malachi chapter 1 and verse number 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau. And I laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. And uh, from these few scriptures, and we'll add something more to them as we go, but from these few scriptures today, I want to preach from this subject that our best, our best belongs to God. I don't want to just give God what I have left over or what I think I could just muster, but I want to give God my very best. I'm so thankful for the wonderful praise and worship we've had leading up to this moment. Um, they didn't wait until you gathered in here just a few minutes before 11 and our second service to figure out what they were gonna do. But before some of us were even on our way to church today, they were here and they were, they were honing their skills and praying and asking God to touch them. We believe that's important because our best belongs to the Lord. Amen. God bless you and let's take a journey together and you can be seated. It is, it is not coincidental that the book of Nahum and the book of Habakkuk and the book of Malachi all begin with the same opening line in essence. They all begin the same. And that common thread of, of introduction says the burden of the word of the Lord. The burden of the word of the Lord. Seems a little strange because when we think about God and his word and the power of his word, the majesty of his word. We want to think about that in a different sense. That God's word is powerful and quicker than any two-edged sword. And God's word can, at his word in Genesis 1, the worlds were formed. And at his word, blinded eyes were opened and the dead received their life again. And the lame 
got up out of their bed and walked home. But in truth, the prophets were men who personally felt the burden of the word of God. There was a weight that came with that word. I, I, I shared this several years ago when it happened, but I was uh, attending a, a youth service some, a few years ago at the campground, and the evening speaker had been promoted. I really didn't know him, and I never met him, and so I was sitting in the back of the tabernacle, and I began to look at all the ministers on the platform, and it didn't take me very long to figure out who the preacher was because everybody else was pretty giddy. They were glad to be there, and their hands were in the air, but there was one lone soul up there. He just seemed like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. I had never met him, but I had met him. I may have never shaken his hand, but I had stood in those shoes. The burden, the burden of the word of God. It wasn't just the nerves of the congregation that were there, hundreds and hundreds of people that had gathered to hear him preach that night, but it was the burden of the word of God. And so when I open these books of these minor prophets and I see that opening line, the burden of the word of the Lord, I understand that. I don't think that he was talking about the dread of having to get up and say something or uh, being in a miserable position, but it was the burden, the burden to feel what God feels. As God gave insight to the prophets, they began to write. Some of them began to speak and they began to address not only the hearts of the people, but sometimes the problems of society. And that was their responsibility to convey it. To not just get up and wax everything over as, as though all is well, but sometimes God just needs to speak to the, work, to the heart of his people. And so it wasn't easy for Malachi to strip away the veneer or the piety, if you please, or even the hypocrisy of the people. And so uh, to, to address that, to get to the heart of the matter, because in truth, that's what God had called him to do. One writer said the task of the prophet is not to smooth things over, but it's to make things right. And so sometimes making things right is not the same thing as smoothing things over. The first sin that Malachi named of the people was this. He said, I, I want to address your lack of the love for the Lord. And it's not incidental that this was the first sin that Jesus mentioned when he was addressing the churches in the book of Revelation of Asia Minor. And so he addressed the lack of their love for God. And we would be insulted today. Now let's just be real. We would be insulted today if the Lord come through here and say, I judge you for your lack of love for me. Why, we, wait, we may want to remind the Lord what time we set our alarm this morning. And, and we got here and we dressed and we came to the house of God and we were on time and, and uh, maybe even early for, for some pre-service prayer or whatever. We may want to kind of push back against what the Lord had said but I believe if the Lord were to really walk through here and check our hearts, that we could also be found guilty of the same. For centuries, you see the Jews, if we, if we step back into the book of Malachi for just a moment, for centuries, the, the Jews had recited Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. It was their flagship verse. I mean, it was what they lived by every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. 
And they were instructed to talk about this when you get up and talk about this when you walk by the way and talk about this when you lie down at night. This needs to be wrote. Uh, it needs to be written in places that, that you can see it and it's the frontlet of your eyes. And, and everywhere that we can re be reminded that, that the Lord our God is one. But somehow along the way, this had been turned into a, re a religious rite, just a religious ritual and not a covenant reminder. I will tell you today that, that I, I believe that Bible preaching ought to stir the heart of every Holy Ghost filled child of God. It ought to stir our heart no matter how many times we've heard Acts 2.38 preached, for example. Amen, we ought not fold our arms and say, well, here we go again. But man, something inside of us... It, this this is not just something we're repeating because we've run out of things to say. This is not this is not just something we're revisiting because we don't know what else to do. But something ought to stir deep within our heart. Somewhere along the way, this had this covenant reminder had had lost its impact on their life. This statement that I read to you in our text that God loved Jacob but hated Esau. That's a difficult passage of scripture to read when we think about God loving and God hating. And the word hate, I think, really needs to under, be understood. It is not to be defined as the wrath of God in this particular instance. Simply put, what God was really trying to say is that his love for Jacob was so pronounced that it almost seemed as though he hated Esau. And by the same token, if we read Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. This is the same thing that, that Jesus was saying when he told his disciples. He said you need to hate their own family. Amen. He wasn't using the word hate there in a divisive fashion to say that we ought to, to write our family a bill of divorcement and have nothing to do with them. That's not what he was saying, but he was saying that your love for me, it ought to be so bold and so strong. Amen. That it just seems like it's drawing a line in between here and there. Amen. Nothing should be closer than our family. And so it was an analogy to talk about how much we should love the Lord. One person referring back here to Malachi, when the Lord said that he loved Jacob and hated Esau, someone once asked an old sage minister how in the world, they say, I'm really uncomfortable when I read that passage of scripture because I don't know how a loving God could say that he hates mankind. And so he said, I need you to explain that. And that old sage preacher looked at them and said, well, I'll answer your question with a question. While you may not understand how God could hate mankind, I can't understand how God can love mankind. He loved us when we were unlovable, reached for us when we would not reach back. Amen. He was compelled to walk toward us when we were pushing him away. And so I have a question for your question. I don't know how God could love man. Amen. Much less how God God could hate him. We certainly can't explain the love or the grace of God, but thankfully we don't have to because all we really need to do is just experience it. And once you experience the love of God and once you walk in his grace, then there is a complete, amen, we get it. We understand the power of God and the love of God. 
Amen. I, I think it's important when we consider Malachi 1 and 4, when we note that phrase, the Lord of hosts, that, that's another way of, the, of, of saying it's the Lord of the armies. Amen. That name is used some 24 times alone in the book of Malachi and nearly 300 times altogether in the Old Testament. It is a military name of God. The word host comes from a Hebrew word that means to wage war. He is the Lord of the armies. Hallelujah. He is the commander of the host. How could we not love him? How could we not follow him? Amen. I'm gonna tell you that God has been so good to me. I'm not trying to just keep referring to songs, but they just keep coming to my mind. Amen. The song that says he's been so good to me, I just can't let him down. I just can't let him down. I just got to wake up today determined that I'm going to live for him with everything that I have. I want to represent him as the best I can. I just can't let him down. You see, when, when God brought this remnant back to the land, he wanted to bless them once again. and Once again, he wanted his glory to be manifested in them. But they failed to obey his law and they failed to trust him. Though they had been chastened by the Lord, it's an amazing thing. Amen. Though they had been chastened by the Lord and had been nearly ruined in their time of imprisonment in Babylon, amen, they had lost the esteem of the Gentiles around them. When we talk about Gentiles, we could use the word sinners today. Amen. They had lost the esteem of the sinners, the sinner. Uh, sinners around them or the Gentile nations around them. Amen. The Jews could have made a new beginning. It was a fresh start. It was a time to let the power and the glory of God shine in their heart. They could have been a witness to the Gentiles of the grace and the mercy of God and the restorative hand of God. But instead, they lapsed back into sins that Malachi is now having to address in his book. Amen. They gave a weak witness to other nations and they missed an opportunity to glorify God. I just want to pause here a moment today and tell you that I think you already know I'm not just trying to get us to reel our lives back into the book of Malachi this morning I'm trying to get us to visit there long enough to see how we can fall prey to the same thing in 2022 I believe that the church of the living God ought to be a shining example of God's grace and his goodness and when life comes our way and just kind of knocks us flat of our face that somehow we get up and brush ourselves off not as though we're Superman or Wonder Woman not as though we have got some supernatural strength beyond telling amen but it's already been talked about this morning how we walk through the valleys and how we are tested beyond measure and how that there are times we wonder if we can go another mile but I want you to understand that while the world is watching I talked about it a little bit Wednesday night there's a watching world. That's why we ought to be careful. Not just to entertain them or impress them. There's also a watching God. But there's a watching world to see what we're going to do in this day. What are we going to do in the face of all this uncertainty? Well I'll tell you what we've decided to do. We've just decided to come right on to the house of God. We've decided that when we get here we're going to lift our hands. We're going to lift our voice. We're going to come together in one accord. We decided, amen, that 
church for us is not just going to be Sunday and church for us is not just going to be Wednesday amen but Monday morning is going to find us making our home a sanctuary and Tuesday is going to find us making our home a place where we can entertain the power and the presence of God and you're just welcome to stop on by on a Thursday afternoon amen because our home is going to be a temple unto the Lord our lives our mind our heart our conversations why because there's a watching world there's a watching world and we ought to give God our best our very best belongs to him it belongs to him the first fruit the very best the very best amen the very best we need to remind ourselves that the trials we experience as individuals or, the, or even the trials that we may experience as a congregation are opportunities to glorify God to a watching world. Every difficulty has an opportunity, I believe, to demonstrate to others what God can do through those that will trust Him. I'm not talking about being puppets and and things of that nature. I think you get that. But I believe that we ought to be an example. In verse number 6, Malachi directs his message especially to the priest and to the people. And so I preach this without reservation to all of us today. Because I don't want you to think when I use the word priest. That that just kind of puts somebody here outside of the bounds of this message. Because Simon Peter referred to all of us as a royal priesthood. Amen. Instead of living exemplary lives, they were guilty of breaking every law that they were not only supposed to, supposed to teach, but supposed to obey. They were supposed to be God's children, and yet they weren't honoring God. In verse number 6, when Malachi confronted them, they said, In what way have we despised your name? I mean, you just need to be a little more specific. How? And so in verses 6 through 14, the prophet began to address the error of their way. I don't think you should ever ask a question to the prophet, man of God, that's under a burden, what's wrong, unless you're ready to hear what's wrong. So to begin with, the Bible says as Malachi began to, to deal with them, he said, number one, you're offering defiled sacrifices unto the Lord. In verses 7 and 8, he said, You offer polluted bread upon the altar. You offer blind sacrifices on the altar. And you're offering lame and sick animals or sacrifices on the altar. The word bread, the word bread in Scripture refers to the sacrifices of the law of Moses. So not necessarily bread as we think about it. Amen. But these animals, this, these offering sacrifices were to be perfect. And if you have read your scriptures, amen, certainly in the Old Testament, you know specifically how the law defined that. Nothing imperfect could be brought to the altar and accepted by God. This was so important because the law of Moses wasn't just the law of Moses in and of itself. But the law of Moses was a schoolmaster that was pointing us toward, amen, a new testament, a new covenant. And so that's why it is so specific and it cannot be with error. I mean, these unblemished sacrifices that is being drilled down on in the law of Moses 
we're 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 doing we're being drilled down on specifically because he was talking about unblemished things being offered to God. And those unblemished things were pointing to Jesus Christ. Amen. That would be the Lamb of God that would one day die for the sins of the world. And so people are saying, well, I just don't get why this is so important. Well, this is why it's so important. This is why you can't offer a blind sacrifice. This is why you can't offer a lame sacrifice because this is a schoolmaster. It is showing us and teaching us that there is one coming. Amen. He's not going to be blind. He's not going to be blemished. And so what we give to God has got to be our very best. And so if we see these sacrifices were imperfect, then how could we represent Jesus Christ if we ourselves are going to offer things that are imperfect? In short, the priests were, they were just permitting the people to bring whatever they wanted to bring to God. And it would just be good enough. It would just be their they would just consider that to be okay. In the latter portion of verse number eight, Malachi made a bold, a very bold statement and then ask a pointed question. He said, he said in his statement, he said, offer that to your governor. And then he asked, you think he would be pleased with that? I mean, you're going to bring God something that was blind. You're going to bring God something that was crippled. You're going to bring God something that really you're just trying to call out of your own crew, out of your own, out of your own herd. You're trying to bring that. Well, I tell you what, why don't you just try to take that same blind animal and give that to your governor? Why don't you just take that and offer that to him? How far do you think that would go? They knew exactly what Malachi was saying. Amen. Somehow, amen. They knew that these defective beasts would have been rejected by the governor and that possibly that could have even cost them their life but somehow in the heart and the minds of God's own elect they thought this is good enough for God it's, this will get me by it'll be a sacrifice it'll make a little smoke there'll be a little bit of meat and we can give that to God these priests had forgotten what had been written in their own law in Leviticus 20 and 22 he said but whatsoever hath a blemish thou shalt not offer for it shall not be acceptable for you. Amen. That's not going to be acceptable for you. And so they knew their law. Amen. What does the Bible then to say, or what does this say rather, about men and women who profess to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And we spend hundreds, if not even thousands of dollars for things that we want to do for us and me and mine or my family. And yet we struggle to give sacrificially to the church. Amen. Or for entertainment purposes. Amen. Nowhere is too far. Nothing lasts too long and nothing costs too much. Amen. But we want to weigh out carefully what we commit to when it comes to the things of God. How long will this take? How far will I have to drive? How much will this cost me? Amen. Not only in time, but in finance. Amen. We're going to carefully weigh what we give out to God. But I ask you this morning in the Holy Ghost Amen. And to be reminded that we could not keep a job if we just went to work when it was convenient. Amen. We couldn't, we couldn't keep a job if I just said, well, I, I'll go today if I feel like going. If all the planets are lined up, I couldn't have a healthy relationship with my companion if I just came home when I wanted to. I wouldn't have the relationship I need to have and you can't have the relationship you need to have with your own children if they just see you when you decide to show up. I'm going to tell you, I got to commit myself and bring my very best to God. I got to give God. I'm not going to drag 
drag in something blind. I'm not going to just drag in if it's okay. If I had nowhere else to go, if I had nothing else to do, God deserves my very best. God deserves my very best. He deserves my very best. Amen. Amen. You see, our offerings to God is a real good indicator of what's in our heart. That's why the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be. 2 Samuel 24, 24, David said, Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. I want to feel this. Amen. I believe we ought to sing when we're hoarse. <laughs> we ought to lift our hands when we don't feel like lifting our hands. Amen. How many know the discipline of prayer that sometimes you got to pray and you don't even feel like praying? I know we'd love to keep prayer all mystical and, and, and some people want you to think angels just sit down on both sides of the altar while they're praying and if that happens to you, God bless you. But I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't happen that way always in my world. Sometimes the calendar's pressing. Sometimes the clock is pushing. And sometimes my mind is just in a thousand other places. But somehow I've got to kneel down and say, Lord, amen, I want to thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it I want to thank you Lord for the family of God and the wonder of God I want to thank you for every teacher that ever broke the bread of life amen and they taught me your way and they put principles in my life I want to thank you for every living example you ever put in my life thank you for every voice God that ever came along to encourage me and strengthen me amen I don't want to offer God something that costs me nothing I don't want to give God something that didn't dig into where I'm living Amen. Yeah, I will tell you that if you really love the Lord, it could be easily proven by your calendar and by your giving. Amen. That's how much people claim to love the Lord. You can prove that because your neighbors will know where you, you your neighbors will know. Well, you can't get you can't reach them Sunday morning. You can't get a hold of them on Wednesday. Now they'll they'll be home after a while. Amen. Somehow got, got to meddling here a little bit, but we'll just go on. Amen. But if we experience the grace of God, we'll have no problem giving generously to the Lord of our time, our effort, our abilities. Amen. You know, God's done so much. <laughs> He's done so much for me. God has given when I didn't even realize God was allowing something to flow in me. Matthew or Malachi 1 and 9 says, Beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. Amen. The question we must ask is this. How can we ask God to be gracious to him, to us, if we have not been gracious to him? How can I say God bless me if I'm not, if I'm not even living in that zone where God can bless me? Amen. In verse 10, Malachi said it would be better. It would be better to just close the doors of the temple. That's what Malachi says. I mean, this was a strong message today. Amen. That Malachi is preaching. He said it would be better to just close the door of the temple and stop sacrificing altogether than to just continue 
practicing such hypocrisy. He said, you got to get these blind and lame animals out of here. You got to get all of this off the altar. He said, what we need to do is shut this thing down and clean up around here and come back and let's give God our very best. I will tell you today, amen, while the world is whittling away at every waking moment, amen, while the world is whittling away, the world in our own lives, the lives that we live is whittling away for every waking moment. I've got to push that back and say, Lord, I don't want to come in. I know sometimes, I believe Brother Chris mentioned this on Wednesday night, how he how he had had a rough day, a, a long rough day. And I, I, I just, all I could do to keep from running the aisles when he said that, because Wednesday was a pretty long day for myself. Amen. But I felt the same thing he felt. He said, when I got out of the truck, somebody opened the side door to come in or go out. And he heard the saints of God praying. And you know what happened in an instant? Amen. What happened right then? Not incrementally. Not, not over the period of the next nine minutes or next 12 minutes. Amen. But as the prayers of the saints went up, there was a refreshing. There was a reminder that I did the right thing. I pushed on. I came. And there was a wind of refreshing. There was power. There was strength. Hallelujah. And so I say, Lord, amen, don't let us close the door until we get it right. Amen. Let's just get it right. And let's just keep it right. Let's give God our very best. Let's give God our very best. We just can't give God half-hearted worship. You know, sometimes we need to be the one saying, I love you. And not the ones just always repeating, I love you too. Amen. Enough conviction to give an altar call. Right here. Amen. I love you. Not just the I love you too. Malachi. What you talking about? <laughs> she almost got slain in the spirit there. I gotta check over. What's going, what's going on here? The book of Malachi. Are you with me? Amen, Malachi. Malachi one and eleven. I need you to come back now. Malachi, we'll we'll hash that out later. Or you'll see us on an episode of Cops 1. We'll get it all figured out. But, at, but Malachi 1 and 11, it says, From the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. This was the command. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. Let's make that 21st century. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. My name shall be great among the sinner. Amen. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. Amen. The people I work with are not going to hear me griping about God, fussing about church. Amen. I'm going to just keep lifting up the name of the Lord. Amen. In every place, he said, and in every place incense shall be offered in my name and it shall be a pure offering. My name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. Hallelujah. Every sinner in this world ought to see the church walking with their shoulders square. Hallelujah. Their chin up. I got a song on my heart. I got a praise in my my mouth, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I got joy in my soul, joy unspeakable.
unspeakable joy. I've got joy, unspeakable joy. Woo, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Malachi looked ahead in time. Amen. Malachi was prophesying. He's the prophet. Malachi was prophesying. He looked ahead in time when the message of salvation was going to be taken to all nations. Amen. We got to remember in the Old Testament, this was to the Jews, but Malachi was looking down the road. He knew, amen, there is coming one. There is coming one. There is coming one. And this message is not going to be to the Jew only, but to the Gentile. Hallelujah. It's going to be taken to all nations. So I need my church to stand up. Amen. I need my church to square their shoulders. You got to get these blemishes off the altar. You got to quit thinking we can give God just anything and we need to teach people how to worship and how to worship from the bottom of their heart, how to give with everything that's in them. Hallelujah. God, God's called Abraham involved the Jews becoming a blessing to the whole earth. And in that same manner, I believe that the call of the church involves the church taking the gospel to all nations. And I'm thankful today to be a part of a church that is involved in taking the church to all nations. We're not just trying to preach to us for and no more. We're not just trying to sit here and sustain whatever's going on at 503 Southeast Cephas Liston Road. No. Amen. Right now, we're reaching with everything that we can planting seed all around the world across America hallelujah hallelujah you know why because we believe with all of our heart that God deserves our best our best according to verses 13 and 14 the priests were even allowing the people to cheat on their vows now you, now you see here something about a vow you have to understand that if a man promised God a sacrifice but brought an animal that was sick or blemished and, and the priest would accept it even though that priest knew that man had a perfect animal back home. So something's wrong when we just allow blemished worship going through the motions. We need a Malachi in our life. We need a voice of Malachi in our life to say, wait, we got we to gotta stop. Amen. In the Mosaic law, vows were purely voluntary. You didn't, you didn't have to make a vow. But once you made a vow, that vow was a binding contract. Therefore, the prophet was trying to drive home a very important point that if the governor would not accept some cheap offering then what makes you think that the king of kings is going to accept some kind of substitute? And God is a great king, and he deserves the very best that we can give him. What we promise, I believe that we must perform. So I pose these three questions to you today. Why did the priests deliberately choose to disobey their own law? And why did they pollute the altar of the Lord? And why did they encourage the people to worship in such a careless manner. How can these things be? And so I don't pretend to have every answer. But I believe for one thing. The priests themselves weren't giving God their best. And so when you're not giving God your best. Then we can expect less of others. I mean we, we, we can't ask, ask people to give more than we're given. Amen. 
And so we should not ever let anybody outgive us. When our worship, in our praise, in our, in our dedication, we shouldn't let anybody outgive us. I'm not talking about turning this thing into a competition, but I'm just saying the, the leader can't let the followers outgive them. Amen. We got to give the Lord everything that we have. Hey, hallelujah. We got to give God everything that we have. And so that's why they couldn't make greater demands. They couldn't make greater demands on the people because they themselves weren't even living up to what God had asked them. Hosea 4 and 9 says this, like people, like priests. That's what another Old Testament writer said. Like people, like priests. So they're, they're going to walk like the priests. They're going to talk like the priests. They're going to give like the priests. Hallelujah. I, I don't want to be ashamed to worship him. I'm not ever going to worship to try to impress you or anybody else. Amen. But I believe that I have a responsibility to worship. I believe I have a responsibility to give. Not just ask you to give, but to give. Amen. Not just expect you to praise and worship, but to also be engaged in praise and worship, not just ask you to pray, don't just ask you to fast amen, but even times when we're not having a corporate fast, times when we're not having collective prayer amen, the leader, they ought to be on their face, they ought to be praying and fasting, amen, not just in those collective times, because like the people, like the priests amen, I understand, we could all write this message off as just a message to the ministry amen, but I'm going to go back and remind you that Paul called us a royal priest to him and, the, and Paul said to the Corinthian church that we have all received this ministry and so with I, I say that to say this that I believe the burden of what I'm preaching today is not just on men or women that are called to the ministry but I believe the burden is upon the shoulders of the church amen the shoulders of you and I because we cannot lead people where we've not been ourselves amen and if the church can't feel the convicting power of God and get right then we're foolish to think sinners are going to be able to come into the same house and feel conviction and feel change amen I believe conviction ought to be as strong in the heart of the church as it is in the sinner conviction ought to be as strong in the heart of every man woman that has the Holy Ghost as it is in the heart of somebody that's never even known the Lord we need to be moved moved by the word of God Amen. Amen. So there's something more we should consider here today. Is it possible that we're taking for granted the high calling that God has upon us? Is it possible that, we're te- that we are treating the temple ministry with contempt? Is it possible? Is it possible that, that serving at the altar has just become a job? Is it possible that church is just something we do? It's just where we go. And it's just obligations that pull us out of the bed and obligations that push us on the right path to bring us. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, that can be. That can be. That I'm just going to do this. That's why... The Apostle Paul issued a warning in Ephesians 6. He said, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. I've been served a couple of plates of food by people that just had a job. They set the plate down so hard the eggs like to slid off. 
was just a job. We've also been served by people that understood the joy of serving. And is there anything else I can do? I mean, you don't even have to wonder. You don't have to even question. They're, they're, they're constantly monitoring. You're not even aware, but they're watching that tea glass. They're watching everything. They're making sure everything is just right because it's not just a paycheck on Friday to them. God warned Israel that he would curse their blessings. That's what he said. I think it's important to realize that God not only sees what we do, but God knows how we feel about what we're doing. Amen. I'm not going to pick on our singers, but just use them for an example. But if they were up here singing this morning, they were just aggravated because it wasn't their Sunday to sing. Somebody else wasn't here, so they had to get up and sing. Well, I'll do it. Amen. Oh, I don't want to. I want to do that. I want to give God my best. I didn't plan to be here. I didn't maybe didn't plan to do that, but but now I've been put on the spot, and I, I, but I still want to give God my best. I've walked in more than one door and found out I was the preacher that night. Right then. Yeah, I'm gonna get up him haul around. And, well, I didn't know anything about this a while ago. God deserves better than that. If you give me a word, Lord. Circumstances. You're scared to death. I'm fixing to call on you to do something right now. <laughs> it's been this quiet before, but it's been a while. If it's a drudgery for us to be in church or to sing or to worship or to give or to connect to preaching, then, then, then God can weigh our heart, not just our service. And we can give God one of those, but it's connected here. Malachi was speaking to people whose crops had already been ruined, had already been ruined by insects. And so what Malachi was really trying to say to these people in peril, he was saying it's bad, but it could be worse. So how could it be worse than our crops failing? How could it be worse than, than our crops being ruined by incense? In Malachi 2 and 3, he said, Behold, I will corrupt your seed. You won't even have a crop. Because I will let the seed rot. And so there won't even be a need to till the land or a need to plant the crop. And, and so if God could curse the seed, and amen, then, then we realize that there would not even be a hope of a harvest. And, and one writer said that it's even possible that in the word, wording of Malachi here that the word see could even refer to their children. Now that's horrifying. It'd be one thing to think we'd lose a handful of corn or wheat, but to think that our seed could be corrupted. I don't want the seed of this church to be corrupted. Amen. I, 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 I don't want the seed of this church, the seed of this church's future to be corrupted. Amen. You see, what, what the priests were doing, it wasn't ministry. I'll ask our musicians to come. But what the priest was doing wasn't ministry. It was just a ritual. And God stirred the heart of Malachi and said, Get up. I've got a burden of the word for you. Malachi wasn't there to shake, friends, shake hands and, and make friends. He wasn't there to... Running for office. No, no, no. Malachi was there 
to preach the infallible word of God. The third sin that Malachi addresses in chapter 2, he describes how they had turned away from God's law. In Malachi 2 and 6, he describes the perfect servants of God. He says they had truth on their lips, obedience in their walk, fellowship with God, and a burden to bring others to the Lord, and a passion to share God's word with those who needed to hear it. That was the perfect. But the priests weren't following this pattern. They were following their own ways. It was bad enough that the priests were disobeying the law, but but here's the real tragedy is that they were causing others to stumble along the way. And so it, it would be bad enough if the church wasn't living up to what it's supposed to be, but the real tragedy is this, that it causes others to stumble. It causes others that had looked with hope to say, I don't know. I don't know if I can find hope there. I'm going to ask you to stand. Ecclesiastes 9 and 18, the Bible says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but, but one sinner destroyeth much good. Much good. So I pray that people could always look at the church in general, and certainly us as a church, with respect. That we would be a church with integrity and character. Amen. And I will tell you this, that even sometimes leaders with integrity and leaders with character will have enemies. But sometimes your enemy can hate you and respect you. That's the truth. They may not ever want to admit that. May not ever admit that. But they got to admire the fact that you wouldn't just change for them. Amen. I want to offer God my very best. It is said that Queen Elizabeth made a practice every year to visit Scotland. She was very loved by the people there and... and, um, she felt so comfortable and, and so at home and so received by the people that she often would mingle with the people without even a protective escort. The townspeople loved her and the children loved her and she loved children. One day while walking with some children, she drifted a little bit further than she had planned. She was caught up in the moment and enjoying the company of these innocent children. Unexpectedly, dark clouds rolled in and rain was imminent. And she is said to have walked to a house and, and knocked on the door to which an unwitting woman came to the door and she said, I, I, I'm, I've walked away from my group and, and the rain is coming and I, I would like to borrow an umbrella. And she said, if you will just lend me one, I will send it back to you tomorrow. Oddly, the woman didn't recognize the queen. Well, who would think the queen would knock on your door? 
She didn't recognize the queen, and she was a little bit reluctant to give this stranger her best umbrella. So she handed her one that she really intended to throw away. The fabric was torn, and one of the ribs were broken. But the queen took it and walked away. And the next day, true to her word, another knock on the door came. And when the woman opened it, she was greeted by a royal guard who was holding her old and tattered umbrella and said, The queen sent me to thank you for loaning her your umbrella. And in a moment, that woman stood stunned and burst into tears. In an instant, she realized an opportunity missed. The queen was standing at my front door and leaning right there in that corner was my best. And I could have given her my best. The same effort that it took to get the old tattered one. In that same effort, I could have given her my best. I had a chance, but I didn't give her my best. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure, I know you've heard me say this many times through the years, but I promise you, this is my heart. I want to give God and you my best every time. Every time. I, I, not for entertainment purposes, not for praise, but God deserves the best. God deserves the best. I, I don't say this to sound any way out of the way, but if you've been doing anything, anything, for 40 years, you could do it by habit. But I don't want to succumb to have it I want to take this book and lay it across my chest and say Lord speak to me speak to me I don't want to just open the book and let my finger fall and then just try to let that be a launch pad for something Lord speak to me speak to me speak to me can we offer God our best today This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.